The great writer, uh, W. Somersault Maugham, he wove uh, within his stories uh, the real-life stories of his friends. But the interesting thing that he did was he never disclosed the name of the friend in which was appearing in his books. And it was uh, interesting that uh, whenever he would share the good qualities about his friends, uh, no one knew who he was talking about. But whenever he would say something that was one of their bad qualities or, or something that they didn't do correctly or uh, maybe a sinful part of their life or whatever, everyone seemed to know, we know who that was. And he commented as he wrote his stories, as this came known, he said, we know our friends, um, we know our friends by their defects rather than their merits. Now, as Christians, we have an opportunity to change that, don't we? We have an opportunity to actually know people uh, for their good qualities as well as to build them up in the life in which uh, we live. Jesus said quite plainly that we're not supposed to be folks who focus on keeping laws, rules, and regulations, but he said a new commandment that I have come to give you, not one that adheres to the 733 laws of the prophets, but he said instead I'm going to summarize it into these words. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus' command, summarizing all of that into two points, says something about the purpose and the mission of the church. Thousands of years ago, a man by the name of, Z of Ezekiel lived, and Ezekiel uh, was what we called a prophet. A prophet was someone who actually spoke on behalf of God during a, a time frame of several hundred years when God's voice from God just wasn't heard. So prophets spoke on behalf of God, and God placed images and impressions in their hearts, and God commanded these prophets to speak with the people. Ezekiel talked about a lot in his writings about how we so often build walls up to where we won't let each other in. In fact, Ezekiel said that we're so good at building walls and keeping people away that we run the risk of isolating ourselves. And even more uh, poignantly, Ezekiel says, that we get to the point to where we begin to not look into how we can really be in a covenantal relationship with one another. Ezekiel says that when we stop trying to be into a covenantal relationship with one another, we begin to start looking for faults in one another. And when we look at faults at one another, that the relationship that we could ever have the possibility of having will always fall flat on its face because we instead are trying to pick the gnats out of eyes instead of seeing the qualities of God that God has placed within us. Ezekiel says that, that uh, we also have someone who can stand in the gap on our behalf. So in those moments when we don't have the strength, in those moments when we don't have the abilities, in those moments when we don't have the capabilities to accomplish God's mission, Ezekiel says someone else who is a believer will take our place. And that person will stand in the gap and help God's mission be accomplished. Two boys were on their way to see their friend, and what separated their home from their friend's home was this large pond that in the wintertime froze over. And as it froze over, they asked their father, the 13-year-old son and the 3-year-old son, the 13-year-old said, can we go over across the pond and see our good friends? 
And Father said, it's fine, please go ahead and do that. And as they began to scurry and journey across that frozen pond, Father kept a close eye on them with his binoculars. And he noticed all of a sudden that the older son stopped right in the middle of the walk. And what the father could barely see with those spectacles was that there was a great crack that separated one half of the pond from the other. The father became a little worried about what might happen. But what he saw next was absolutely perplexing and just filled his heart with great anticipation. The 13-year-old bent down with knees on one side of the crack in the ice and hands on the other side of the crack and instructed his three-year-old brother to cross over across his back and that by crossing over him, he would be the one standing in the gap to make sure that his friend and his, or his brother could get to the other side. Now, when you think about that image, is that not the image of what God creates the church to be? That we are created to be the bridge, we are created to be the one that stands in the gap of others when the time is coming. In fact, we are called to run in the midst of the problems that we see in our relationships, in our, in our uh, civilization, in our country, in our world, that we as Christians are called not to sit by passively, but we are called to run toward that almost like a first responder, making sure that we can help others get where they need to be. That's why at St. Paul, we ascribe as a church that we ascribe to these words for Pinellas. You've heard us talk about this before. I've talked about it. Pastor Pam has talked about it. We have shirts. Many of you have shirts that say the words for Pinellas. What is for Pinellas? For Pinellas is our way of making sure that our community understands what the church is for. Too often we get hung up on, uh, and especially people who are non-believers, get hung up on what they think the church is against, that the church is against this, the church is against that. But what we see is that we want to be the catalyst. We want to be, as Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount, we want to be the light of the world as we proclaim the light of Christ in our local community. So we want the, the cream of Jesus, so to speak, to rise to the top of the cup, that our community can see what we are for. What are we for as we are for Pinellas? We are for forgiveness. We are for families. We are for the aged. We are for our local governments and our schools. We are for restoration of relationships. We are for the brokenhearted. We are for the oppressed. And it goes on and on and on. We are for Pinellas. And this is part of what it means to stand in the gap as a Christian in today's world. This love for others can be a powerful testimony to show other people, believers and unbelievers alike, that when we start making decisions to stand in the gap for others, when we are for more than ourselves, when we are more for the work of Jesus in the local community and the beyond, people can see a difference of what it means to truly be a person of faith. In fact, one of the greatest traits that we can have in life is to do as Jesus did. Jesus said, love others as I have loved who? You. So when we start thinking about the unlovely, when we start thinking about the person we're angry at, when we start thinking about the person we're in disagreement with, when we start thinking about the person that we don't know but we're casting judgment on that, we need to recall the words of the Lord himself. We are commanded to love others as Jesus has loved us. 
And when you think about how you and I are imperfect in all ways, God chooses to love us despite of that. And as soon as you and I can grab a hold of that and remember that when we love others, we recall that we love them just as Jesus has chosen to love all of us. So there's a couple of things that I think we need to be doing as a church. We need to be doing even greater than we already are. We need to be thinking of the people inside of the church, and we need to be thinking about people outside of the church in our local community. And as we start pursuing this, this purpose and this mission of being for Pinellas, as we start making sure that our community understands that St. Paul United Methodist Church is standing in the gap for them, then we can become a mighty force to help the kingdom of God and the mission of God become real. So let's start with the people in our own congregation. People ask me all the time, how should I stand in the gap for the people who are in the church? How should I stand in the gap for my church here at St. Paul? And quite simply, we stand in the gap through our unity. When we are all on the same page, when we are all lifting Jesus as, as the barometer, when we are all living in love as Jesus says that we are, when we are aspiring to be the kind of person that Christ teaches us to be, not rule keepers, not regulation, not lawgivers, but people of grace, then we can start seeing great things that will happen in our community. But we also need to pray for boldness in the church. What does that mean? to pray for boldness in a church. Our priority is to help make sure that every person has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. That's what it means. As Jesus ascended into heaven, he said that we're not only to baptize, but that we are to also teach others. We are to help draw them into the love of Jesus, and that we are to use something called discipling, where we help them get on a path, as, law, as well as ourselves, to draw deeper into a relationship with Christ. We are to have boldness as we proclaim that going out into our communities. Now here's something that's gonna happen this week as well as every other week. You and I will always have somebody that will come into, into our uh, perimeters per se who has no idea or no relationship with Jesus. We can't help that because there are a lot of people who still don't know about the love of Christ. They will come into your perimeter this week. They will come into mine. And the question that is begged is, what are we going to do about that? Will we have the boldness to share our story with them? Will we have the boldness of letting them know about God's uh, never-ending grace and forgiving love? Will we have the boldness to let them know that despite all the things in the world that they're holding on to, that Christ is the way? Will we have that boldness? That's the boldness that we need to pray for inside the church. We also inside of the church need to pray that we abide in God's presence. And abiding in God's presence is, is so important. People have a tendency to think that God only exists in a sanctuary or in a building. And there's something about when we come into a building or, or some kind of gathering place that's dedicated to the love and the service and the worship of God, yes, there is something very special about that. But, but we need to recall a greater truth. One person said these words. He said that it doesn't matter what we try to build, we can never contain God within its walls. God is everywhere. God isn't just here in this building. God is everywhere. So as we pray for God's presence, we know that everywhere we go, we carry the presence of God with us. 
We become vessels sharing the love of Jesus Christ. That whether we are in our workplaces, whether we are in our homes, whether we are at um, the grocery store or pumping gas at the, at the station, that God resides in us and we are to give that away. David was a, was a shepherd boy that God saw some very promising things in. In fact, God chose the runt of the litter, so to speak, over and above his older brothers. God said, I see something in the heart of this ruddy young man. And God said, David, I'm going to make you a king. In fact, you're not just going to be any ordinary king, but you are going to unite all of Israel, Judah and Israel together, and you will be the person following my lead to make sure that my people are the people that I am calling. And David knows those words. In fact, it was said about David that he was a man after God's own heart. David felt the presence of God. David had challenges in his life. David knew that there were moments that, that he wanted to run away from God because of his sin. But David realized he could never, ever escape the presence of God. And here's what David says about that. He said, I can never escape your spirit. He's talking to God. I can't escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand, God, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. We need to also internally be praying for God's uh, willingness to ask, uh, we need to pray for the willingness to ask for God's pardon. You know, knowing that we have a pardoning God is such an integral part of the faith that we confess. As we pray for this, we need to be praying that the church can be a place where people know that they can be drawn to, that, that here in the house of God, that all people could be drawn here, that they would know that, that they could come here and confess their sins, that God would be a pardoning God, that they would come to understand and to know that. And how will they know that? Because we choose to love others as the way Jesus has chosen to love us. And here's one that we can't forget. We need to accept God's provision. We need to accept the fact that God has given us provision. God will always provide all that we need. The question is whether we will partner to allow what God has provided to be used for the glory of his kingdom. When God calls for a certain task, when God creates a certain vision, when God speaks to his people and God says, I need you to do this, I want you to do this, this is what you are going to do, you and I, without hesitation, need to follow that lead. Because we're following a person who not only foresaw his death, but he rose from the dead. And I think that's the kind of person we want to follow, isn't it? So as we see this, the significance that comes, we need to understand that our own doubts and our own fears can, give a, can get in the way of us following God. Moses was one of the greatest leaders that we know of, of the ancient world of religion. And Moses followed God. In fact, Moses led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. But Moses had also come to a point where he's in the desert with all these people that he's led out of Egypt. And Moses begins to worry and wonder, how am I going to feed all these people? How am I going to make sure that when they wake up in the morning, that Eggs Benedict is ready? How am I going to make sure at lunch that the ham sent? Well, they wouldn't do ham. They were Jewish. Um, how, how can I make sure that, sorry about that. How can I make sure that they'll have a steak sandwich waiting for them for lunch? How can I make sure at night pizzas will come? 
And Moses was perplexed. And yet God said, Moses, I told you to lead the people out of Egypt. Don't you trust me? Moses, you do what I've commanded you to do, and you just let me be what I am. You be Moses, and let me be God. So what we find out is, is that God says to Moses that every day God would be raining down from the heavens all the food that the people needed for that day. And here's exactly what we need to know, that by evening that which had not been consumed, did it keep? No, it spoiled. So every day the people of God needed to rely on God's provision. And God says, I will provide. God says, you do your part and I will do mine. And that's why we need to pray that, that what God calls us to do, that as wacky as we might think it might be, as impossible as we think it might be, that when God calls us and God says, go and do something like leave Egypt and go into a new land, or when God says, uh, feed people that need to be fed, or God says, perform that miracle in the way in which I'm asking you. We need to be open to exactly what God is calling us to do. And that's why it's so important for you and me, for us to invest in the future of St. Paul United Methodist Church. That's why it's important for us to keep an eye on the mission that God continues to call us to fulfill as a local church. What is our mission? Our mission is something that's very important. Our mission is to actually make sure that we're connecting people to the love of Jesus Christ, and that we are reaching beyond even our own walls to do that, that we're going into our communities and all the places that we've talked about in these last couple of weeks. Our mission also means that we need to go back and find the people who have left the Christian church. And there are lots of people who are leaving the Christian church today because they no longer believe the church is relevant. They believe that the church is hypocritical. They believe that the church doesn't understand values of love because we've become judgmental. And they're doing religion on their own. In fact, some are, are say that they have no religion at all, but they think that there's a God. So we need to find a way to connect back to those who have been broken and feel cast aside through the church. We also know that our mission is to ensure that everyone knows about God's love and that through that love, they will understand why we are trying to be relevant here in Pinellas County. The bottom line is we are called to love others as Jesus has loved us. I wanna invite uh, Sue Kidd to come forward and join me this morning. Uh, Sue is uh, making her way up here. And um, I'm gonna ask uh, Sue to join me in a time of, of sharing. Uh, Sue has uh, been here at St. Paul for for a uh, short time, a couple of years. And um, she has lots of things that uh, God has been doing in her life um, here at the church. And I'm gonna put you right there, is that okay? And we're gonna talk a little bit about um, some of those things. Here's a microphone for you. You probably don't need one, but because <laughs> I know your voice, you just hold it close to your mouth so that uh, folks yes, can hear. So, so um, Sue, how, how long have you been a part of the St. Paul family? I have been part of the St. Paul, Paul family about three and a half years. Um, I'm getting seriously older and wanted to move closer to my daughter. She lives in Largo. I lived over in Longwood and was uh, there for 38 years with a membership at San Lando United Methodist Church. Okay, so you've been here about three and a half years. So, so in those three and a half years, so you're kind of new here. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of the exciting things that you see happening here at St. Paul? Oh my, I think one of the, the, the most exciting things as far as outreach is concerned is to watch Jubilee go into effect 
And then to see all of these children come in from, what, four-year-olds four to high schoolers. Mm -hmm. And the research has been done so that the, the book bags that they pick up have all of the right equipment in it for the grade that they're in. And to see the expressions on these kids' faces. I had a little girl this last year. Can I go on like this? I, I, okay. Sounds like you are. <laughs> go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. No problem. <clears throat> I was doing the dresses, and this little girl came up, about six years old, and she said, I said to her, what color would you like? And she said, pink. So I said, okay, let's go look. So here's where God's hand came in. We found the pink dress, and at that point, Horton walked up with the camera and took a picture of us. Of course us. he did. Yeah. Of course he did. He's Joe Tourist right there. Yeah, but we hadn't seen him before <laughs> That's then. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, <clears throat> I, I, oh, sorry. Maybe they like it better that way, though. <laughs> <clears throat> I find that uh, things like that, I've, I've wor I work in uh, open arms, and uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me, do a feeding of the homeless on a Sunday, and I worked with Pumpkin Patch, and um, I, I just there, there's such there are so many avenues that we can pursue here. I mean, whether no matter where you go, look at the music that we have here that you could go to. The um, it just amazes me, and I am still trying to stick my fingers in all the pies. <laughs> And you're doing a good job that. So, so obviously you're very involved here. And, and, and your experience, I think, is um, important for others to know that really when you become involved in serving God through the local church, um, your joy level changes, doesn't it? And, and your perspective of life changes. Um, and the things that you look forward to in life um, are, a lot, are a lot greater too. So what is it um, that you think maybe makes St. Paul different than other churches that you might be aware of? You're not gonna like this answer. I don't know what other churches are doing. I have absolutely no idea at all, and the reason I don't have any idea of what any other church does is because St. Paul has filled my life so magnificently since I came. Okay. You know, I just, this is an honest time of sharing. So, and we have not rehearsed what her answers are by any means. So no, when you look at me and you say, so when you look at me and say, you may not like this, I mean, <laughs> I, I get it, you know, I, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Didn't I tell you? Just be yourself and do that. So um, investing in the ministry of the church, you know, we talk about that. We talk about how um, we all have to come together. We all have to be all in. And that, re that requires that we invest money to do that. It also is that we invest our time. Um, I've known you long enough in the three and a half years that you've been here uh, to know that you don't just talk about that, but you actually do that. You're serving, um, you're also um, dedicating a, a large portion of what God has blessed you with back in the life of his church. So there's people out here today who, who maybe have never had an opportunity to do that or they're waiting for something to change in their life to where they can give to the church. There's others who are thinking about, do I continue my investment at St. Paul? Um, what would you say to them as to why they need to continue to invest in the ministries of St. Paul? I think the outreach aspects of what mm. St. Paul does, I, I think that tithing is, to me, is just a tool. It is I don't think you can go have outreach programs without having some kind of financial aspect to them. 
So tithing is just like praying. I mean, it, it's something that we need to do in order to fulfill these things that we talk about doing, and that's... Kind of thank you, thank you, Sue. Yeah. Okay, would you show your appreciation to Sue this morning? Thank you, Sue. Let me help you back down. I think I can do that. You can? Okay, all right, all right. You can do that all by yourself, look at that, wow. Thank you, Sue. Um, if you haven't already, you, you're likely going to be receiving a letter from me this week, or maybe you received it last week. And inside of that letter are really a couple of things. It's a letter that talks about um, a huge question uh, that I address in the letter about why don't more Americans, or why doesn't every American go to church? But also you're going to see what we call the St. Paul Impact uh, report 2018. And I hope that you'll take a chance. And on here, these are just a, some small stats that we want to share with you um, of some great ways that we've been making an impact in the, in the life of our local church. And one of the ones that we left off of here, just because we couldn't put everything on that, is 70% of the people who have become members of St. Paul were either never have been a member of a church before or had been disenfranchised for lots of years and decided to make a new commitment back here. So that's something that we need to really celebrate because we're not into shuffling the sheep, so to speak. We're not into another church having a controversy and people migrate to us or, or something happens here and people migrate to another church. God's not interested in swapping sheep. God's interested in finding sheep. And we want to make sure that we keep that held up. But you're also going to find in this your all-in commitment card for this coming year. And I really want you to pray over this. Um, this is the way in which we are able to do ministry here at the church. This is how we sustain this very large campus that we have, how we pay lights, how we uh, have staff uh, who do ministry for us, how we continue the mission as Sue so wonderfully described, um, how we are a church in this local community. On November 25th is when we're going to ask that all of these be gathered together during worship. We'll come for Forward, as we always do, and we will dedicate these to God. Now, if you're traveling for the Thanksgiving holidays, that's no problem. Take a moment and, and prayerfully consider your gift and fill this out and either drop it off at the church office or mail it in to us. For those of you that like to do stuff online, you can go online to our, uh, to our uh, homepage, uh, stpaulumc.org. There's a place where you can click on 2019 All In, and it gives us a chance. We wanna make sure everybody's accounted for as we move ahead. This year, our goal is $1.6 million as we move forward in our purpose and our mission as a local church. So I invite you to give joyfully, um, to make a commitment that will just knock it out of the park that we can continue to do everything that God um, so wonderfully is asking us to do. Let me just close with this. I, I'm really excited. Um, about our future. I'm excited about our work. I'm, I'm overly excited about people like Sue and, and the Munions who will be speaking at our, at our next service about their experiences at St. Paul. And it's always interesting that whether one has been here a lot of years or whether one is, is newer in, in their time here at St. Paul is we see the joyful things that are happening. Folks, we're not a perfect church. There are mistakes that we make. I make mistakes every day, and by your grace, you guys forgive that. God forgives us of our mistakes. But we are a church that really has a purpose, and that purpose is to ensure that the love of Jesus Christ is manifest in this local community. So I invite you to be a part of that, and as always, I am so excited about what God will do this coming year.